Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. How well do you truly know Jesus Christ? Do you have an active and growing intimacy and relationship with Jesus? Let's open our Bibles now to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, and see how we can increasingly develop a growing and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ our Lord. Good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. Last time we discussed Philippians 3 and we did verses 1 through 9. Uh, that was part 1 of what we have called I Want to Know Christ. This is part 2. We plan on doing verses 10 through 16 to, to finish up this uh, quick two-part series. Before I get started, I want to give a Quick shout out to my uh, to my man Memphis McCoy. He was just born about an hour ago, and uh, his mom Melanie's doing well. His dad Jordan couldn't be more proud. And uh, I just thank you, Lord Jesus, for my man Memphis. Father, we just ask you to bless Memphis today. We pray holy angels around him, Father. Father, we pray that he would come to know Christ at a at a very young age, Lord, and we pray you would use him mightily in the advancement of your kingdom. Father, I thank you for Memphis. I thank you um, for the daily family, Lord, and uh, we say happy birthday to you today, Memphis, one day old, one hour old. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I uh, Personally, I have, I have never given birth to a child. Um, but it looks hard to me. It looks, uh, whew. Anyway, so good job, ladies. That's, uh, it seems like, uh, it, it, there's no words for it. And so, uh, I thank the Lord for y'all. And, uh, I, I, I frankly am, uh, I'm blessed that that's not something that, uh, that I have to experience. But, uh, hey, if every man in this world, owes his life to, to some woman, to some mother. And so uh, we are grateful for y'all. Thank you, ladies. And uh, again, we celebrate Memphis McCoy today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So I'm just going to go ahead and read it, and uh, we'll get right into it. Father, we do thank you again for this time. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. Holy Spirit, we ask you to open the word of God to us now. Lord Jesus, we ask you to lead us and guide us and uh, open the scripture to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, these are just, just listening to the Apostle Paul here, as I've said, our, our, our spiritual father. Uh, this man wrote half the New Testament, and much of that he wrote out of prison. Just think about that. You know, this book was written from prison. And many of us are in different forms of prison, different forms of difficulties, right? And uh, oftentimes it's hard for us to be productive when we're in a metaphorical prison, right? It's uh, We're just locked up and we, we get completely self-absorbed and we're down. And But this guy, he wrote half the New Testament. There's 27 books in the New Testament. He wrote half of them. And he wrote much of that from prison. So... Instead of being down and frustrated and feeling, feeling sorry for himself, Paul is, is thinking about others. And he says, I wonder how the church in Philippi is doing. I wonder how the, the Christians there are doing. And he, and he pens this letter. He is the greatest example of a, of a human being giving his best, even when he's at his worst. It's hard. You know, when we're on top of the mountain, when things are well, it's... Uh, it's easy at those points to, uh, you know, to give glory to God and to praise him and to help others. But, but man, when we're struggling, it's hard. And this guy, the most productive times of his ministry are are, are, are in prison, it seems. And so, uh, you know, because of his diligence, the Holy Spirit uses Paul to pen this letter, which is, of course, the scripture. The very meaning of the Christian life is found in verse 10. I want to know Christ. That should be the cry of our hearts, moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, all the days of our life. The cry of our hearts should be that I want to know Christ more deeply, more intimately, more passionately, in every manner and in every way. I want to know Christ. Father, I ask you to help us one and all today to know Jesus better to know our Lord, our Savior, our Master, our King, our God, our Husband, our friend Jesus more intimately. Mm, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to know Christ, Paul said. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Think about that. Paul wants to know Jesus. He wants to know every single aspect of the life of Christ. Even to this point, he wants to have fellowship with the sufferings of Christ. It's one of the more unbelievable parts of the scripture. Um, candidly, frankly, I try to avoid suffering at every turn. I don't like it at all. And I confess that... Uh, I confess that I don't want to fellowship in the sufferings of Christ. I confess that when I'm going through difficulty or suffering, whatever it is, frankly, I just want it to stop. I, I just like it when things are orderly, when I feel great, and I don't have any problems at all. But our father Paul here, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, he said that 
that he wants to know and experience the fellowship of sharing and the sufferings of Christ. He wants to know every aspect of Jesus. He wants to be so intimately acquainted with Jesus. He wants his relationship with Jesus to be so complete that he even wants to experience suffering as Jesus experienced suffering, knowing that in so doing, he will know Christ more intimately, knowing that the more he experiences suffering, it says becoming like him in his death, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, right? When we identify ourselves, when we're identified increasingly with the death of Christ, the more we become like him in his death, the more we die to ourselves and our own sinful desires and our own urges and our own whims, right? We, uh, to become like him in his death is to die to to our own selfish interests and desires. In verse 11, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead, uh, to the resurrection from the dead, to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, when you call on the name of Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I I do confess that I am a sinful person and I believe that you lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me and I believe you're alive and risen. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life and save me from my sin and bring me to heaven when I die. And I place all my faith and trust in you alone, Jesus, to save me. When you pray and receive Jesus as your Savior, Jesus comes and lives inside of you and he's one with you. He's one in spirit with you. And the power of the resurrection actually lives inside of you. Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Christ, lives in you in the form of the Holy Spirit. And that power is living inside of you, Scott. And so the more intimate our relationship with Jesus is, the more you will experience what Paul is calling here the power of Jesus' resurrection. Now, just try to think about that. It's just, it's almost too profound to understand, right? How intimate is your relationship with Jesus? Most Christians, if they were to, to answer candidly, would say it's not very intimate at all. I believe in Jesus. I've asked him to be the Lord of my life. But as far as experiencing moment by moment, day by day relationship with Jesus, based on the very meaning of the word relationship, yeah, it's, it's not very good. If you will make an effort, if you will begin to make an effort to increasingly uh, devote yourself to growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you will increasingly experience what Paul is calling here the power of the resurrection. Um, He's not talking about your salvation here. You're saved. You're going to heaven. You'll be resurrected and given a new body when you go to heaven. All of that is based completely on what Jesus has done in him alone. But experiencing that relationship, experiencing the power of the resurrection is different from having it. If Jesus is in you and you've truly called on him and asked him to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life, the power of the resurrection is in you. But for the vast majority of Christians, that power is dormant. 
most Christians would say they, they experience almost no power at all. But it is there and it is available to us the more intimately we walk with Christ. And, and part of that, unfortunately, is experiencing difficulties. And when we go through it, trying to do it with a, uh, a good and proper heart, which I've, I've already confessed I, uh, I rarely do. And Father, I do ask you to help us in, in our relationship with Jesus to, to deal with the difficult things in a, in a more Christ-like way. We want the call of our heart this day, above all things, to be, I want to know Christ. I want to know you, Lord Jesus. I want to experience you, Lord. I want to know you so intimately and deeply, Lord. I want to walk with you. I want to obey you, Lord. I want to be your friend, Lord Jesus. I want us to hang out together and spend time together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, Jesus is willing to give you all the time that you're willing to give him. The first and primary way you grow to know Jesus better is to think about him. Let me say that again. How do we grow to know Jesus Christ better? How do we grow in our relationship with Jesus? Well, the first thing, the very first thing you can do, and the biggest thing you can do is actually start thinking about Jesus more, putting your mind on Jesus more. Uh, Hebrews 3 verse 1, I believe it says that uh, to fix our thoughts on Jesus. And so our thoughts are obviously on countless things throughout our day, right? But never are our thoughts more productive. Um, never do they, do they have uh, more usefulness. Uh, never are they for our betterment. I guess all those words mean the same thing. But uh, never are they better for us than when we're thinking about Jesus. And obviously, the Lord has given us tools to help us to think about Jesus, to put our mind on Jesus. And the first and primary tool is the Bible, the Word of God. When you're reading and studying the scriptures, your mind is on Jesus. You're thinking about the things of God, the Word of God. So the, the first way to grow to know Jesus more intimately is to spend more time in your Bible reading and studying and meditating on the scriptures. When you do that, you're thinking about Jesus more and more. Obviously, you want to obey what you read. As you read the scriptures, you want to adjust your life to fit the scriptures, right, Melanie? Uh, our lives ought to be ones where we're, uh, I said this in Bible study last night to the, uh, to the young people, that, that we always want to be adapting our beliefs and our lifestyle to what the Bible says. Our job is to mold our thoughts, our words, and our deeds increasingly to what the Bible clearly teaches. We're supposed to make our lives fit the Bible. However, what I explained yesterday is we live in a world where many, many, many people, even Christians, they don't want to make their lives fit the Bible. They, they want to twist the scripture so as to make the Bible fit their lives. People want to believe what they want to believe. They want to say what they want to say. They want to do what they want to do. And they'll twist the scriptures so as to make it fit what they want to believe, what they want to think, what they want to say, and what they want to do. And uh, obviously, that's not the will of God. We want to take the scripture as it is 
and we want to live accordingly. Um, we want to think accordingly. We want to consistently and continually adapt our lives, our thinking, our thoughts, our words, and our deeds and actions according to what the scripture says. And as we do that, we will increasingly know Jesus Christ better and more intimately. And as we grow to, to know him better, as we grow to know him more intimately, as we grow to obey him more, as we grow to repent where we fall short and make mistakes, the closer our relationship with him goes, the more we will experience this thing Paul is calling the power of his resurrection. An example of this is found in uh, a remarkable example of this power of the resurrection, or let me say the, the greatest culmination of it, right? Or what, what can this look like? How much can we actually grow in experiencing the power of the resurrection? In Acts 20, it's, uh, it says that Paul was, was preaching and teaching the word of God until midnight. And a, a young man named Eutychus, seemingly a teenager, fell asleep sitting in a window as Paul went on and on. And uh, the Bible says that he fell from the window and the people ran downstairs and picked him up dead. And uh, I've said this before to, to many people. If Eutychus fell from the window today, we would almost certainly be having a funeral because there is no one like this man, Paul, where the power of the resurrection of Christ is so overwhelmingly flowing out of him. And I'll get what I mean by that here in a minute. If that happened today, we would earnestly pray, right? We would pray and we would ask Jesus to bring life back to this man. And, 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 and perhaps by the mercy of our God, uh, the Lord would raise him. Although few people have experienced that, right? Um, few people, once they're dead, come back to life. And I don't believe this was idiosyncratic to Paul. I believe this was a result of Paul's incredible intimacy and devotion and dedication so completely and totally to Jesus Christ that the power of the resurrection in him was completely flowing and manifesting itself in remarkable ways. And resurrection power was just flowing out of him in, uh, in ways that are, that, are, that are miraculous. Now, that same resurrection power lives in us. And as I said, the greater and more intimately we will walk with Jesus, the more we will experience this in every aspect of our lives. The story goes on in Acts 20, you can read it, where... It says, Paul, he had to stop talking, went downstairs, and it says he threw his arms around the boy, Eutychus, and picked him up alive. Wow. <laughs> wow. The power of the resurrection. Paul didn't pray for anything. Paul didn't ask for anything. All he did was walk downstairs. Because remember, the boy fell from, what, two or three stories. It says he threw his arms around him. What happened? The power of the resurrection that was in Paul flowed out of Paul into Eutychus when Paul embraced him, and Eutychus was raised from the dead. Yeah, you can read it for yourself in Acts 20. Paul doesn't ask for anything. Paul doesn't pray for anything. I use that as an example to show you 
the power that lives in you if Jesus Christ lives in you. That power of the resurrection lives inside of you. Resurrection power lives inside of you. And again, the more you apply yourself in walking with Jesus, the more that power will flow in you and through you. Again, it's important for me to say, there's nothing you can do to be saved. There's nothing you can do to receive Jesus except believe in him and ask him to come into your heart. And by God's mercy and grace, you'll be saved, right? You'll be forgiven of your sin and you'll go to heaven when you die. Now, when you do that, Jesus comes to live in you. And when Jesus is in you, the power of the resurrection is in you. Okay. All of that is done by Christ. But now how that power flows in you, how that power flows out of you, how you experience the power of the resurrection and how others around you experience the power of resurrection in you, that's now very much up to you. That's going to be based on the level of your devotion to Jesus Christ. So again, you don't receive Jesus or his power by anything you do, but how that power operates in your life will very much be dependent on your devotion to Jesus. Um, so I, I hope that makes sense. And I believe Paul here is, is the ultimate example of what this looks like. Remember, this is the, the only person in the scripture, right? Save Jesus, who's God, that the Bible tells us to follow Paul's example. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, it says, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And then in this very book, in the next chapter, Philippians 4, 9, Paul says, whatever you've seen in me, whatever you've received from me, whatever you've learned from me or whatever you've heard from me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now think about that. The word of God just said to emulate Paul in everything and God will be with you as he was with Paul to the extent that you do that. So the scripture actually tells us that this man, the Apostle Paul, our spiritual father, is our example of what a Christian should look like, whether we're a man or woman. This is our example. And it's quite an example of that. Whew, thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, that's, just, that's just overwhelming. Those verses are overwhelming. And Jesus, I ask you to help us as a body of Christ in the church and the world today to, to increasingly grow to know you and walk with you, Lord. And we want to experience the power of your resurrection, Lord Jesus, in a more, um, in a more fulfilling way, Lord, and really in a more miraculous way. And, and Holy Spirit, I ask you to help us now in Jesus' name. Okay, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Verse 13, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So Paul here is... He's just given these incredible, overwhelming principles, right? 
Um, he says, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. I want to become like Jesus in his death and somehow to attain the resurrection of the dead. But then he, in verses 12 to 14, he, he wants to let you know that he hasn't arrived yet. He hasn't gotten to this place of perfection yet. He's saying it's a work in progress. He's saying he's still working at it. And this is why I just told you how you experience relationship with Jesus will very much be dependent on you. The fact that you have a relationship with Jesus and the fact that God is your father, that comes only through faith in Jesus Christ and trusting him as your savior, calling on him to be the Lord of your life, right? That has nothing to do with you. You get saved from your sin only by trusting what Jesus has done and asking him to be the Lord of your life. But I've said this over and over because it bears repeating over and over that now the quality of that relationship moving forward will be, will be entirely based on you and the heart that you have for it. And, and obviously, that's not different than any relationship in the world. Your relationship with Jesus will grow and mature in the same way any relationship you have. If you want to have a meaningful relationship with your spouse, it takes time. It takes thoughtfulness. It takes intimacy. It takes repentance. For me, it takes a lot of repentance. It takes, it just takes devotion to that person, right? You have to think about them. You have to care about them. You have to love them. Any relationship in your life is going to flow along the lines of, of the effort you put into it. The more effort you put into any relationship, the greater it will be. And that's no different than your relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul says that he hasn't arrived yet. He doesn't have a perfect relationship with Jesus. He says, I haven't already been made perfect. The rest of verse 12, he says, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Do you see his effort here? But I press on. Father, I ask you to help us to press on in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Verse, verse 13, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. And now he's going to give this most incredible principle. This is the one thing I, I said this last time. I, I have this scripture on my home screen on my phone. And this is the one thing that uh, I've really been working on. And it's hard for us, right? Paul says, but one thing I do, this is the one thing he does to help him to press on, to help him to grow in his relationship with Jesus. He says, verse 13, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Sometimes it's hard for us to forget the past. We just, uh, we have sadness over the past. We wish we would have done things different. We have regrets. Um, you know, we have hurts, we have pains, we've been wounded, we've been hurt, people have hurt us, um, we've been dissatisfied. A vast majority of the people in the church have tremendous hurts and wounds from the past. The greatest thing you can do to advance your healing is to work at this. And, and I say work at it because it's, it's hard, right? We can't we can't just decide today, okay, well, I've forgotten my past because you haven't forgotten it. Well, wouldn't that be incredible if truly whatever was behind, anything that's bothered you 
you know, it doesn't bother you anymore because you've forgotten about it. You can't even remember it. But one thing I do. So you see it's an action. It's something he does. He consistently is laboring, forgetting what is behind. It can't be changed, right? Yesterday, you cannot have back. That day is spent and all the days behind it. But what you do have is today. You have the present today. You want to live for what Jesus has for you today. I would encourage you to, to in your prayer time, whenever you pray throughout the day, ask the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, help me today. Help me this day to live a lifestyle of forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Holy Spirit, help us as your children to live our lives forgetting what is behind and straining toward what's ahead. Again, look at these words. All throughout these three verses, 12 through 14, straining, one thing I do, you see the effort, straining toward what's ahead. That obviously means strenuous effort, Paul puts in living in the present and what's in front of him. His view and his eyes are what's in front of him now. And Father, I just, again, I ask you to help us. As you know, I've been praying to you, Lord, and I just ask you to help us to walk in this principle more and more and more, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Thank you, Father. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So again, as long as Paul is in the body, as long as he's still alive, he's always pressing on to know Jesus better, to walk with Jesus more intimately, to live for Jesus more devoutly. And I said in the last podcast, to Paul, everything else was trash compared to knowing Jesus. And, uh, very few of us as Christians have ever experienced that type of devotion to Jesus where truly nothing else matters to us at any significant level but living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus. And uh, Father, we need help. I ask you to help us to make Jesus a bigger priority in our lives. Now, you just don't wake up one day and be, Paul, we're going to have to do this moment by moment, little by little, two steps forward, one step back. This is a process. Life is a journey, as you might have heard. Some of my old church fathers used to tell me the journey is the destination. God, our Father, has no, his, his mind is not on some particular destination, or he's not just waiting for you or wanting you to do some great thing. He wants the journey to be your destination. He wants you to experience life and relationship with him as your father, moment by moment, day by day. The journey is the destination. And wrapping up here in verse 15 and 16, it's pretty interesting. Verse 15, Paul now says, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And, um, and the truth is, I must lack maturity in in several areas because I understand what I'm saying, but I, I don't live my life moment by moment, day by day with this view in mind. I want to, I believe. I want to increasingly live my life with the view that my Lord Jesus Christ is my all in all. I exist at his pleasure. 
I am here to do his bidding. My life is his life. Do with me as you will, Lord Jesus. Now I can say those words, but my moment by moment, day to day practice certainly has those things in it, but by no means is that like the overwhelming, all encompassing focus of my life. But Paul says a, a, a mature Christian always has this view. A mature Christian wants to know Christ better and better and better. They want to know and experience the power of his resurrection. And really the hardest part, they even want to fellowship and experience the sufferings of Christ. Because they know in suffering that they're going to experience the life of Christ and they're going to grow to know him better. A mature Christian is consistently working to forget what is behind and strain toward what is ahead. A mature Christian is just consistently pressing on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of you. Jesus took hold of you. A mature Christian is continually pressing on that he or she might take hold of Jesus. Lord, I, um, I ask you to help us to grow up. Um, help us to, to just begin this maturity process, Lord, and to take this view of things. And uh, if we won't do it, the Lord will... The Lord might uh the Lord might bring us to a place where 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 we have no choice but to do it. Paul says all of us who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you, right? Uh, this is the meaning of life. Um sometimes if the Lord has to make things clear to us, uh right, Tom, it's uh it's not too pleasant. Right. And, and all of us know that sometimes our Heavenly Father will discipline us if uh, if we're not willing to repent. But uh, really, every person in the world that could ever listen to this, all of us could stop right now and say, Father, and I, I do repent, Lord. And I do want to increasingly um, have this view, have a mature view of what my life should look like. And Lord, I do have that view and I ask you to help me to walk in that view. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And then finally, in verse 16, he says, Only let us live up to what we have already attained. My, uh, my, I got a, a spiritual father, Dave Anderson, and uh, he's, uh, he's an older man in his 80s, and uh, this is one of his favorite verses. Only let us live up to what we have already attained, meaning whatever revelation you have today, the things you do understand today, the things you know that Jesus has called you, having listened to this teaching, you have revelation and understanding, but now, again, this is an effort verse. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. I say it over and over. This has nothing to do with your salvation. It has nothing to do with you going to heaven. But whatever understanding you have today, what you've learned in these podcasts, apply it to your life. Live up to it, right? The vast majority of us live behind our revelation. We know many of the things the Bible tells us to do. We know we're supposed to put effort into our relationship with Jesus, but we don't, we don't really live up to it. And we're not talking about this in a religious way. Like I said, it's uh, your father doesn't love you anymore because you do this. Your father's love for you is unconditional. Jesus' love for you is unconditional. The Holy Spirit's love for you is unconditional. But how you experience their love, how you walk in their love, how you, 
how you just know their love, well, that is going to be dependent on, uh, on how well you live up to what you understand. The more you, you give your life to living out the revelation you have, the more you obey the word of God that you understand, the more that you repent where you haven't obeyed, the more revelation you will be given. Let me say that again. Most of us, we want more understanding, more knowledge, more revelation, and all that's a good thing, Scott, right? But we, we have to apply the revelation we do have. We have to increasingly live out the revelation we do have. Verse 16, Paul said, only let us live up to what we have already attained. The understanding you do have, the knowledge you do have, the, the, the wisdom you do have, live it out in Jesus. Well, Father, we thank you um, for this time in Philippians. We thank you for your mercy on our lives. Jesus, we, uh, we do want to know Christ, Lord, and uh, we ask you to help us, Lord Jesus, to, to begin to put aside those things that get in the way, those self-interests, Lord, those worldly desires we have. Lord, I ask you to help us to continue to increasingly cut away those things that are that are not advantageous to us in knowing Christ, Lord. And I uh, ask you to help us, Holy Spirit, and lead us and guide us in our devotion and love for our Heavenly Father and for Jesus Christ, our Lord, and for you, our Holy Spirit, our guide and our, and our comforter. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We thank you for the living Word of God. We thank you for our Bible. And Father, above all, we thank you for the Son of God, for Jesus Christ, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King and God and Husband and Friend. Father, in Jesus' name, we praise you and thank you. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.